Jack Stein and AI clone Spike O'Neill. Not actually here. It's just a, a robot version of Spike. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Program. So, sorry, let me, let me tighten that up a little bit for you. <laughs> so, Spike, uh, today, I guess, well, how do we frame this story? There's a school administrator out there telling uh, teachers to keep students' gender transitions a secret from their parents. Now, this has been going on throughout the country, but this is in South Kitsap School District Administration advising educators to conceal a student's change in gender identity from their parents, according to an email obtained by the Daily Caller News Foundation. Now, my good friend Frank Shires, formerly of the newsroom, sent me this story, so big shout-out to Frank Shires. Uh, teachers were provided guidance on how to change a student's gender identity in school records and how to hide the change from parents. It says, quote, the district will not condone the intentional or persistent refusal to respect a student's gender identity or gender expression or inappropriate release of information regarding a student's transgender or gender expansive status. That's according to a district document obtained through a Moms for Liberty Kitsip Charter Public Records request. So my problem with this spike is basically this. I think that if you have if you're a parent and you have a child who is suffering from gender dysphoria or they are suffering from, you know, gender identity disorder or any of these things, this is something that you should know about. This is not something that should be concealed from you with the caveat unless you are an abusive parent or a verbally physically abusive parent, sure then you keep it from the parent because you've been demonstrated to be unsafe. But if the child is just nervous or apprehensive about e- explaining their gender status to their parents, this is something that should not be kept from them. And in many ways, this is a violation of somebody's rights as a parent. This is being prejudicial, right? The parent has committed no crime whatsoever, and this information is being withheld from them from people who are acting as if they are kind of surrogate parents in some ways or surrogate protectors for these children. Now, I, I guess this is like the, the, the where quote unquote wokeness goes. And I hate to use that phrase, but I know, know, you, know. I I know you do, bud. but this is where it goes way too far. We're not talking about some willy nilly. Well, it's just gender expression or gender identity. These are really important issues that come with a slew of, of mental health kind of precautions that people should take. And if you leave the parents out of that process, you are creating a disconnect or a fracture in the relationship between the child and the parent who could, in in many ways, benefit from having a very difficult conversation around gender and gender expression. But instead, you have these wackadoos (laughs) in the school district who think that they know better than the parents. And this is so egregious to me. I I can't fully encapsulate it in words, Spike. Um. Let me gather my my arrows here. Um, okay. <laughs> oh, because you're a dad, Spike. Uh, right? You're well, a dad. I'm a dad. I'm not. I'm a dad of a young adult who is unsure about who they are or who they will be when their journey is complete. Sure. I'm a yeah. dad experiencing gender fluidity and pronoun fluidity in our family's lives. Yeah. So I'm not just coming at this from a hypothetical. This yeah. is a real issue in our lives, in our family, yeah. and we're talking about teachers. Respecting a student's wishes to be identified through pronoun We're, and, and, and nothing more. We're not yeah. talking about offering any kind of medical advice. We're not talking about offering a kid counseling from a school counselor or a healthcare professional. Yeah. We're not talking about any of that. We're talking about how a teacher respects a child's wishes to be addressed within the school frame. 
and and the ability to keep it from parents. And at that point, I'm with you. It's a dangerous place to be. It's the it's the school board injecting themselves into the family. And yeah. you, made, you made it a great point. How, how do we know whether a parent is abusive or dismissive? Parent doesn't have to be abusive physically or verbally to be dismissive of a kid's wishes yes, to explore yeah. who they are as, as a person. And that being said, a parent's refusal to accept a kid's curiosity or uncertainty or, or, or desire to change how they are addressed, just dismissing that alone is dangerous, is damaging to a kid, to a kid's psyche. So I don't, I don't know the right answer to this. I really don't. I can see the benefit of keeping a child's wishes secure and, and safe to be school, maybe be the one place they feel safe. And maybe the kid is nervous and overreacting about how their parents are going to see this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. to err on the wrong side of that, to err on the side of that where you let the parents know what the kid's thinking and a parent who's just not ready to deal with this. This is not something from their generation or their world at all. That can be a, that can be a dangerous place for a kid to grow up in. Yeah, and uh, the other thing that I worry about here, Spike, is that you take a fragile child who's experiencing dysphoria or gender identity disorder, and they're already compromised in so many ways. And then you you say, well, we and, and this is where I kind of fall on the side of the school where they say, I am so afraid and so nervous and so compromised that I don't think that I can have this conversation with my parents right now. I can understand administrators saying, well, we have to we have to try to protect this child and pr- protect their emotional well-being. I right, understand. Right. But I also think if there's a school psychologist or a guidance counselor or someone who's facilitated in these kinds of conversations, I think that that is a great opportunity for people to be introduced to the idea that their child might be suffering from some kind of, uh, um, you know, gender Con- confusion, confusion or whatever. Confusion yeah, or uncertainty. You know, confusion tends to, to kind of lay blame or, or fault. Yeah. You know, and, and, I, yeah. and, and I know we're just talking semantics at this point. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think a school counselor or a mental health professional within the school district could give this child the tools they need to speak with parents who are uncertain or, you know, unwilling to accept someone doesn't know quite who they are. I, I mean, it's, uh, so- it's an opportunity. It really is. But outing a kid... For the sake of parents deserve to know, it could do more harm. I'm not, I'm, I, again, I don't know the answer, but it could, yeah. do, it could do a lot more harm than good. So teachers are also provided an additional step-by-step guidance on how to change students' records to reflect their gender change and how to hide said changes from the parents, the email showed. Educators were told to spread the document widely to inform others. All school district policies follow state and federal laws, including gender-inclusive school policy, South Kitsap's school district told um, the Daily Caller. So they were saying that this is not illegal in any way, shape, or form. So how does how does HEPA work? Oh, with, you mean with, the... With regard, because I mean, we're talking about, you know, a person's privacy with regard to medical information. You're talking about HIPAA laws, right? I'm sorry, HIPAA laws, HIPAA laws. HEPA yeah, is the so, air filter cleaner, right? Yeah, HIPAA well, laws. Well, it depends on, I mean... At what in, age in does regard- it kick in? I guess is the only thing I really am curious about with regard to HIPAA. What age 18, does it kick in? Eight, 18. Is it 18? I mean, yeah, I, I'm almost... Po- unless there's a doctor out there or, or an RN or somebody who wants to correct us, which I'm more than happy to be corrected on this. Here, here. I, every day my goal is to leave smarter than I got here. It's a yeah, low I, bar, but I manage right. it every day. I'm almost positive that parents have to be informed about almost every procedure or perceived procedure that might take place. I'm almost positive. Okay. 
So, but the the other problem that we have here is by kind of a, a more meta analysis of this is that there are so many people out there who get so pumped up about trans issues in the wrong way that to even try to talk about it with them, you have to filter through barriers of of misinformation around trans individuals. Like I'll give you an example. Most people, when you try to talk to them about gender affirming care, they will default to what Dr. Jordan Peterson says or what Matt Walsh says, who's a political pundit out there. And they'll say, well, you want to sterilize and castrate children, not realizing that gender affirming care could include things like therapy, where the kid just counseling where yeah. the kid just goes and, and like talks to a professional about this particular issue right so you so you have people who are so charged up and they've been loaded with rhetoric on this issue that you can't even i mean i have done this so many times it takes hours to try to explain to somebody the complexities of neurobiologic phenomenon because they just default to well i don't like transgenderism not realizing that this isn't an ideology this isn't something that is just made up out of whole cloth. This is documented science going back to the 1920s. So it, it, is a, it is a failure on the part of many pundits out there to talk about this issue in an educated way, which leads to normal, average, everyday individuals who, who re- rely on these pundits to provide them with this information. It is a failure of those pundits to give people accurate information. So uh, it's, uh, speaking of that, I mean, the real, yeah, but the textures have been overwhelming in their assistance. That huh. at, thir- at 13, 13 in the state okay, of Washington, a child okay. has the right to privacy through HIPAA. Right. And so in my mind, it, it, there, is a, there is a real cultural problem that we have right now in the United States where you have political operatives who are out there who are trying to weaponize trans individuals and trying to weaponize people's confusion and their disgust around that issue to try to gain political support for their ideas or try to gain followers on Twitter or on YouTube. Well, when you hear somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene, it's all about protect our children. They're right. coming for our children. Right. You know, what's coming it, for your child is, is a healthcare professional. <laughs> what's coming for your child is, is information that's not yeah. stigmatized or misrepresented. Yeah, like I heard a, um, I heard a commentator over the weekend who was talking about uh, phalloplasties for 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 children. That doesn't happen. There has not been one documented case of that happening for somebody under the age of sixteen. Not one no, I time. Know. I know. And brother, yet, and I yet know. this guy. Then yet this guy's going on and on and on about about surgeries for nine and ten year old children. And I go, I've, I've read a lot of the literature around, around trans kids and, and gender affirming care. Never, not once have I seen any surgeon, any documentation of, of prepubescent surgical intervention. Never, not once, because they can't do it because they don't know how, what, what, how tall the child's going to be. I mean, the anatomy just doesn't line up at that age, right? It just, we just don't know. But the truth, but, the truth does instill fear. Right. And so the, the problem is, and, and this is why, like, there's 1.6 million trans people in the United States. Conservatives, by and large, control the discourse around trans people because nobody wants to go and bother to read uh, articles on, on neuroanatomy. Nobody wants to do that. It's a lot easier to have someone tell you that it's degeneracy and it's fetishism and it's, you know, it's a yeah. lot easier and it's a lot easier for people to kind of take in that these people are, are, they have some kind of obsession or they have some fetish that they're trying to exercise or whatever it is. And I, you know, Spike, I think I told you this story. A friend of mine works for the DOD 
She's been trans, you know, basically the, the, the almost the entirety of her life. But she's got a wife. She's got a couple of huskies. And her job is to work for the Department of Defense defending this fine country. No one in right-wing media would have my friend on their show. Just a normal lady working for the DOD, making sure terrorists don't, don't destroy our country. Keeping no them safe at night. Keeping them safe. Keeping them safe. No one would do that because that's against the narrative. So what they have to do is they have to find somebody who on online who's a little eccentric. Maybe they've got they've got some crazy ideas about about what it means to be a trans individual. And so they showcase the most extreme examples of it. The parents see that. And then when they, their child comes to them and says that they have some gender difficulties or they're feeling gender fluid, the, the mechanism in their brain goes, my child's going to end up like that weird person on the libs of TikTok. And that fear mechanism kicks in. And they haven't read any of the liter- literature about how sometimes kids de- grow out of this or sometimes through therapy right, they're right. able to, to, to kind of realign themselves with a, with a gender. They don't read any of that. They just default to the segment on Tucker Carlson where they're showing the detransitioner girl and they feel so bad. And it's all fear as opposed to optimism. And we no longer live in a realm of medicine at that point in time. We're living in a, in a realm of basically fiction that has been perpetrated on the American people, largely by right-wing pundits who are looking to scare people about a, a very difficult and complex issue. It's been, it's been weaponized. I mean, you couldn't be, couldn't yeah, be right no, about absolutely. it. Absolutely. And, and, it, and it speaks to our fear of change, man. I mean, it really does. Our, our core psychological makeup requires us to be comfortable and feel safe. Sure. And, and to fall into our sense of norms. And anything outside those sense of our, our, our sought-after norms is a difficult thing to take on for new, new information is always a difficult thing to take on. So when people are being told that their kid is not what they expected, you know, yeah, I, I've yeah. got a dear friend whose child transitioned and it was harder on the parent than the child because the parent lost the little girl they had raised since birth and yeah, sent yeah, yeah. to daddy daughter dances. And now they've got a young son who's yeah. facing a lifetime of challenges through their own choices and trying to pursue their own identity and be happy in their own skin. But it's, it's not easy for anybody involved. So it's, I can understand where parents don't want to take on information, don't want to do the research involved. They'd rather just, you know what, no, nope, that's bad, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. They'll go out of it, it's bad. I'll, I'll protect my kid. I'll protect my kid. It's an, understa- yeah. it's an understandable point for them to take and defend. I, I get it. Yeah, and then, I mean, you read headlines like resumes, including they, them pronouns, are more likely to be overlooked, new report finds. And then you start talking about non-binary individuals and what that means, and then the conversation completely goes off the rails, right? Well, like, but, but I, uh, you know, I'm glad you brought that up, though, right? Yeah. Because, you know, when someone is... Someone is gender fluid, and I don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's the right terminology. It would be you know, non-binary. Would non-bi- be more, if someone is yeah. non-binary, okay, yeah. and they, they choose to be identified as they, them, and they're taking a bold assertion to go into, that, go into the world with that, to carry that proudly, and yeah. you're talking about an employee, and, and the study um, finds, and it's from uh, MSNBC, I believe, right, CNBC, I'm sorry, CNBC, that employers tend to overlook resumes that have they, them listed as preferred pronouns. And, and I, I try to be empathetic in my life. And I look at myself, why, how could somebody do this? My first thought, how could somebody do that based on someone's preferred use of pronouns? Yeah. Because the employer, and I, I try to be empathetic, the employer's got a workplace that they're trying to maintain, you know, a, a good, healthy work environment. And that may, and, and someone who is you know, transitioning with pronouns, who is non-binary, 
may upset the apple cart, may make up for uncomfortable places in the workplace. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. and it's their job to protect. It's their job not to discriminate. It's the law that they don't discriminate. But it's their job to protect their work environment from, from ignorance or fear. You know, that's maybe not deserved, but is realistic and it's there. So, I mean, it's, it's, I can understand why, and they're probably not doing it, sub, doing it consciously. You know, maybe they are in some cases. Maybe they're well, just, you know, I scared. Mean, th- yeah. Or they, you know, they're, they've been influenced by all the, the crazy videos of, of, because I have a lot of, I know a lot of non binary people in, in my own life. And the, the images that are, are on the internet of people who are non binary is, you know, someone crying at Starbucks because they were misgendered. Whereas the non-binary people that I know are much more composed and much yeah. more grounded, and in, in, and they're not so affected by that kind of thing. Well, they, they have but, to be. They're they're the right. pi- they're the pioneers, man. Well, but the, it's also a, a difficult. I know a lot of the non-binary people that I know are, are in the process of transition, or they're right. still trying to kind of figure it out through their dysphoria, and it's an incredibly complex process that involves therapists and psychologists and things of that nature. But again, instead of us actually talking about it like adults, we go on the libs of TikTok or we go on Facebook and we look at memes about someone with they, them pronouns and we distill them down to a cartoon character rather than actually, you know, reading the literature. So, but but my whole point with this, with kind of talking about this though, Spike, is like when we talk about these school administrators, I personally think this contributes to people's hesitation and fear and trepidation around the issue of transgender individuals because they don't if they're not included in the process if i'm a parent and my child is being hidden from me and that story is out there that that could happen to my kid i'm gonna get suspicious i'm gonna get resentful i'm gonna get paranoid that these institutions are trying to take my child away from me and then why why even bother to engage in the discourse at that point in time because i've already been uh i'm already the enemy Right, I'm already the bad person. Right. In this you, you circle the wagons at that right, point exactly. around your family. Absolutely, completely understandable. Spike, before we get into this self-driving car thing, yeah. did I ever tell you my idea for how to subdue a criminal? That, no. A completely non-violent way on how to subdue a criminal. No. Tactical pigeons. <laughs> you you train <laughs> you train okay. okay you train it is i've thought about this for years at this point in time you train pigeons about three or four dozen of them it, to swarm a human being not harm them wow. but swarm them block their way physically with their little pigeon bodies fly around them to prevent to obscure their vision give them little tactical helmets and little tactical vests that look like little police vests and that is how you stop a human being from running from the police. Or let's say there's a bank robbery. You just back the truck up, open the doors, the tactical pigeons fly in, and they subdue the... the now, you might say, well, they can swat the pigeons away. Yeah, but if you've got, I don't know, 78 pigeons flying at you and they're trained specifically to bug you, there's only so many of those bad boys you can swat away before the, the cops are going to be able to come in and subdue you. It's genius. And, and, and it cures the downtown pigeon problem. <laughs> you're, you're turning you're turning a problem into a solution, right? Now, all, the, the only thing yeah. I could, if I could improve one one idea, I may not. I haven't hammered out this like the years of research you've put into this thought. Thank you. But if you could get like sticky corn that you throw on the perp, 
Oh, even right? better. Right? Yeah. And then it's not just it's not just training that takes the pigeons, it's instinct. Yes. Right. And it's totally nonviolent. So it's Completely. not like it's not like a dog. Right? <laughs> it's not like pepper spray. Right. It's just the inconvenience of it. And that's what's so beautiful about it. So well, now is it is it the story that Aaron had about the bolo gun? Yeah. 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 I, I'm, I was sitting here listening to that. And I'm thinking, finally, finally, Spider-Man technology coming to our police department. <laughs> you know, where where is the net that we shoot at people? Right. Right. Yeah, that, yeah. that binds up, ties around their feet and drops them to the street. Yeah, we're, there's a bright future when it comes to nonviolent, you know, police intervention. Uh, hopefully, starting with tactical tactical pigeons, pigeons is a genius idea. And I hope you you've copywritten is- that because that's that's too good to just give away. <laughs> oh no, I've I've copywritten it many times. Yeah, over. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, uh, so self driving cars are a thing now, but imagine it's the near future. You bought a car, self driving mode. And uh, maybe you fall behind on your payments a couple of times, you miss one, and then one day you wake up expecting to go to work, Spike O'Neill, and you look out into your driveway in front of your 3,800-square-foot house, and where your Tesla should be, you see an empty an empty spot. And you go, someone hath stolen my vehicle. So you call the police, and they say, nope, your car has not been stolen. And you go, well, whatever will I do? You check the GPS, and it's at the repo lot. It's been repoed. But the repo man didn't show up. You say, no, your car took itself to the repo lot on its own. This is the, the way of the future. Boy, I, I read this story and it's, it's inevitable. And you, it's, it's hard to be against this because it's a problem of your own making. Not, I, understand, <laughs> I understand that when folks fall behind in their bills. Yes. Right? And it's talking about you know, food on the table, medicine for Tiny Tim's leg, you know, forget the Christmas goose in the window. You know, it's it's doing what you have to to keep the family alive. Sometimes the car payment's yeah. the last thing you can you can prioritize. But without the car, Daddy doesn't get to work at uh, at Scrooge's place. You know, without the car, uh, the entire economic engine of the family shuts down. Um, I don't know that I am so leery of giving the 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 auto industry the the, the car dealers. Because that's who's going to be mechanizing this, the lending institution or the, I'm not sure yeah. who, who pushes the button, you know, to say, OK, go get, bring it home. I mean, from what I read, it's like a sliding scale. If you're a month late on your car payment, they can literally use the intelligence in your car to turn off your to, to disable your air conditioning right. after a month yeah. to, to make you uncomfortable in your decision not to pay your bill. Two months in, they kill your radio. Three months in, they disable the seatbelts. So then- <laughs> oh, God, Jack. You got a weird, weird and sick way to look at life. Um, but the, the car can, so the car went, went behind in its payments. The car has, uh, has an auto drive, you know, technology and yeah. they can just bring it home and your car will, you know, maybe, maybe your kids in the back seat. Maybe you're warming up your oh, car. Yeah, you're yeah, you're yeah. warming up your car on a cold, frosty morning, or you run back into the house to get that big report that your promotion is tied to. And in that moment, your car decides to go back to the Ford store with little uh, Janine in the back seat there in her car seat. Well, okay, you know, Spike, let me, I'll tell you a quick story about, I, I, I understand that repossession is a difficult subject for yeah, a lot. You ever had one? No, but I, I had a friend of mine. He calls me up and my buddy Will, and Will was not the brightest bulb in the batch. Will, uh, just as an example, he barely got into the military. He was in the military for about six months before oh. they they said you can't. It, Will was not a very functional. He is. Oh, he, I will say he's a sweetheart of a man. He's kind of like Lenny 
from Of Mice and Men. Okay, yeah. A simple man. He's a simple man who has difficulty with, you know, tying his shoes and remembering to brush his teeth. Things of that nature. So Will goes out and he gets gets himself a predatory loan to buy a a huge uh, Dodge truck. Like a Dodge Ram. A massive dually. Right, right. So he doesn't need this. But he goes out and he gets it for himself. A couple months goes by and he calls me up. He says, hey, man, do you mind if I park my car at your house? I said, yeah, sure, man. What's going on? He goes, you know, I'm kind of behind on the payment. And, uh, you know, the, 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 I don't want it to get repossessed. And me being a nice guy, I go, yeah, sure, man. You can, you can park it at, at my house. So I, I don't know why Will decided to do this. But somewhere it, when Will was signing the paperwork for this Dodge Ram, he put my name and my phone number somewhere. <laughs> as a reference, somewhere, yeah. As a reference, I suppose. And so the Dodge Ram is at my house for, I don't know, a couple of months. And then I get a phone call from a repo company that says, I'm trying to track down Will. Do you know where he is? And I go, I, I believe he's at his house. And they, they say, well, we've been to his house many times. He doesn't have a car that we're trying to repossess. Do you know where the car is? Now, me, I'm not going to lie to a repo man. I'm not going to cover for Will for Will at this point in time. So I go, yeah, it's at my house. And the guy goes, well, where do you live? And I give him the address and the guy wow. comes and he re- repossesses the truck. Yeah. Oh. So, but that's just my moral character. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a good liar. I'm awful at lying. And so can you imagine me trying to, oh, it's no. Could you, I, could I, you describe the car? I, I, I don't even, I mean, I, <laughs> cars, <laughs> I don't even know. Oh man, I'm sweating. Now, now four <laughs> wheels, is that all on the, all in the front or that four total? What is, <laughs> what is that? Right. Yeah. Right. So I, and I understand, and Will was not upset at me for, for doing this. I think that he, yeah, he that put the, you in a tough spot. Yeah. The, the gist was up. Right. The the our, our little charade was up. But I, I un- and I understand that it was tough for Will to lose his truck. But then at the same time, I think to myself, on the opposite side of that, there's a person who's running a business and that business is now being compromised by someone's lack of an ability to pay. And I, I would assume that most dealerships, if you called them and you said, I can't make this payment or whatever it is, or, or you, you established a line of communication with the lending people, they might understand. I think that the, the gross negligence that people engage in, that is something where, yeah, your car should probably be repossessed. Well, in, in most cases, it's, uh, you know, the repetition of dirtbags that these lending institutions have to deal with. Most people, yes, most people yeah. fall behind, you know, innocently and they would love to be able to maintain the ownership of their vehicle. And they have the responsible ones actually reach out to those lending institutions. It's the guys that don't make a payment and hide it at their friend's house. Those are far too often the case. And that's why these, these institutions have contracts with repo guys. You don't, you know, they've got a guy on call. I got to tell you, Jack Stein, I've never mentioned this ever in my life in public. Mm-hmm. I have had a car repossessed. Wow. Um, and I was young and dumb and I moved from Maryland to Florida to take a job in bartending. Um, I, it was mid eighties. That's how old I am. And I went, I went, <laughs> I went to, uh, Florida to get away from, a you know, a, an unhappy situation in my hometown of Baltimore, got a job bartending and I fell three months behind in my car payment. And I was being young and dumb in my mid-20s, didn't call my lending institution, didn't call, you know, didn't try to make uh, arrangements to, you know, catch up on my bills, came out from work after attending bar one night and my car was gone. 
what was it? Was it like an AMC Pacer? Close. No, 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 no. Actually, it was a. I think it was a. Uh, it was a Chrysler. I think it was a three hundred. Was the model? You wow. know, it was. It was. No, you know, it wasn't a bad car. It was a used car. Yeah. You know. Um. But I. I. I and I got it in Baltimore. And I, I, it was a convertible. I was enjoying it. I moved to Florida. I'm driving around town, listening to Sinatra tapes. Come out from the bar at two thirty <laughs> in the morning, and my car is gone. So I call the police. Hey, my car has been stolen with yeah. a very attractive date. It was who hung around after hours at the bar, and yeah. nothing kills a mood like, "No, sir, your car hasn't been stolen. It's been repossessed." Yeah. So, you know, we can give your friend a ride home, but you got to find your own. Yeah. Uh, man. Well, I'm I'm happy that you're a better na- man now. Oh, it's Spike. so far That's in the rearview mirror now, Jack. But it's a lesson well learned. A semi-charmed kind of life is the life that Jack Stein lived. You know, this song is actually unbelievably sad. Have you ever listened to the lyrics of this? Um, like, you know what? No, this was such a pop explosion. Yeah. Um, I, and I can honestly say that I, I had tuned it out. I'm, I'm sure it, the lyrics are... It's And it was made popular in the American Pie movie, right? That's when I, it really broke out. Y- yeah. And it's the lyrics are really dark. We're going to have to dig those up during the... Actually, it might be too late by that time. Most people would be like, why are these why are guys you talking this? <laughs> Let's see. Do, do, do. In a real deep, dark voice with a a fireplace behind you, a glass of brandy. Do, do, do. Do, 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 do. Do, do, do. So apparently people around the world have a beauty obsession. This is a study that has found that people on average spend four hours a day trying to enhance their appearance. I don't know if this is a real thing because this is from Moscow, Russia. So the reason I'm of two minds about this is because... If there is an individual who is writing in, in from Russia talking about how human beings spend four hours a day trying to enhance their appearance, it makes me think that this is a psyop, that this is something that that is sent out into the, the Internet for people to read. And then they go, I don't spend four hours a day trying to these these liberals out there are the ones who stand in front of the mirror putting on their their gender queer makeup. You know what I mean? Like that's the, so, so it's also like women. So is it four hours a day on average? Does that mean that men spend a half an hour? Women spend seven and a half hours? <laughs> that's like an old drive time radio. Right. Bit, right? Misogyny time with Jack and Spike. <laughs> that's like an old shock jock radio bit. Right. Like then I would say like, yeah, four hours a day. Me, four minutes. The wife. Come back tomorrow. We're going to eat a block of cheese live at 1230. Right. As there's a so, backup out there. There's a backup in here. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, every shock jock, every shock jock that's still doing that kind of material, whether they're in like Detroit or Florida or wherever they are on like a 10,000 watt station, yeah. they saw this story. They're going to do an entire hour on it. I guarantee it. <laughs> I guarantee it. They're going to take phone calls. They're going to, you know what I mean? They're going to have the, 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 the lady producer come in and she's going to say, I spent two hours a day before the show. And they're going to, two hours? Becky spends two out this is like perfect yeah, shock it, jock material it is, this it is, is great yeah. b-level so, radio table chair radio do you, i don't know spike i spend do i spend four hours a day looking at myself in the mirror pondering my own existence not sober i mean you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh I, I think max max it's got to be because i do everything fast so five minute shower tops uh, uh, you know, brushing my teeth, 
But do I obsess over my good looks, even though I should? No. I, I, that's I think our that's job, weird. Jack. We yeah. obsess over your good looks. <laughs> right. So, well, well I, I would also venture to guess that this four-hour collective, if we took the time to read into this study, yeah. um, is picking out your clothes. Ah, it's, yes. it's deciding, you know, all the things that you interact with your world, with your coworkers, with your partner. You know, do these shoes go with this? Does, am, I, am I feeling, you know, um, maybe, maybe it's the fact that part of your appearance maintenance is the fact that you prepare a white egg omelet or a wheatgrass smoothie because mm. that's part of your overall health and part of your overall appearance. I mean, it can't be four hours put on fun. Unless this is drag queens. Drag queens spend four hours a day on their appearance. Yeah, more like eight hours a yeah, day. Mm-hmm, yeah, for just one story <laughs> hour, too. That's commitment, people. That's commitment. So, and I guess if you're throwing in, you know, I do go to yoga, but that's not really so much for my appearance. That's for me so I don't go insane. But, but so, I, I mean, that's a good point, too. Maybe there are folks who go and work out. Prior right. to going to work, I mean, I know guys that hit the gym at five thirty every morning, and Ugh. they're better people. I know, me too. They're better people for it. They're going to live healthier, happier lives. They're probably more productive at work. But I bet that probably folds into the same four hours. It's not four hours. Just you know, it can't be four hours putting on your makeup. Side which tie goes with this shirt? Right, Chris Martin. How much time do you spend in front of a mirror every day? Um, I would say I spend no time whatsoever. I try to avoid looking at my. Have you spent four? <laughs> have you spent four collective hours so far this year? No, not at all. Not even the, the only time I look at myself is when I trim my beard. There you go. Yeah, same.